right, this will be like, you know when you film a movie and uh, they do the thing so you know where to start your editing? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Watchers, your games cast for all multi-platform news, discussion, and otherwise worthless banter. I am Joe DeClara. I am joined, as always, by my friend, the PvP purist, Ryan D. True. And once again, joining us, as always, is our studio engineer, the regional Pokemon master, Ian K. It's true. Ryan, you recently just came from a meetup. You got to get your hands on some really exciting tech, some stuff we consistently talk about here. At Finally the... got to try the Oculus. Uh, pretty disappointed, actually. Virtual Boy scenario got real sick. Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah, well, I definitely tried it old. Well, the unit. Virtual Boy was the headaches. Yeah. Right. Also nausea, but mostly headaches. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, slight headache. I mean, I tried an old unit, so I'm not sure what the newest tech is like. Okay. Specifically, the one that hasn't come out yet. The was there specifically release version? Was there specifically head tracking when, like, if you leaned in? Unclear. I didn't. I didn't look for that. But okay. there was head tracking. I mean, I, I mean, it, tracking it was, is yeah. I would say a little better than the uh, phone-based units that I've tried, like the, the, Gear, the VR, Gear VR, which costs two hundred dollars. But it wasn't uh, a mind-blowing upgrade from that. Mm. At least I thought. Although I really only played the start screen. Right. Was gonna say. So you must have played some really serious games, but no, you just played. Finally got to try it though, and yeah, it's definitely cool. I mm. mean, I would want to try the full release one before spending six hundred dollars on it. And I was thinking a lot about this today. Like I had to go to this crazy meetup in Manhattan to try out this Oculus. Where where are these going to be demoed? Where do people? Uh, like, where are you going to be able to try something like this before you buy it? I mean, obviously, gaming uh, expos and things like that are always the number one place to go for trying out some new gear that people, uh, development companies, or, or I mean, hardware development companies. Yeah, are yeah but I'm talking about a to. consumer product. Like it, these these headsets aren't going to be in Best Buy. I mean, the regular Best Buy consumer doesn't have a thousand dollar gaming PC. Mm-hmm. I really just don't know where they're going to be demoed. I feel like they assume that. You're going to order them online exclusively, but how are people going to order a $1,000 headset without trying? Valve, I think, is thinking exactly that. I think that they're just their name and uh, their user base. Uh, their user base, thank you. Valve's user base through via Steam will just, they I assume, think that they'll just carry them as far as the Vive goes. I'm sure none of them are delusional into thinking that they're going to be selling gangbusters. I think that this is an early adopter period and that's just how it's going to be for a little while and it's going to take a while for them to make back any kind of money through let alone like just developing these but R&D like that all costs them a fortune and it's going to take a while um most specifically I'm worried about PSVR because that is console based and we don't know how much it is we will find out I'm sure on March 15th but the fact is they're consoles and they're, they function a little differently, very so different this from year, This week, I mean, I learned, I'm sure this news was out before this week, but I, I've been reading more about PSVR, learned that it's going to come out with a box, an actual add-on box uh-huh. that's going to potentially be doing a lot of the processing that's uh-huh. happening uh, for the headset. Uh-huh. And if that's true, I mean, this thing is going to cost like upwards of $1,000. There's no way it's going to get under $800. 
upwards of a thousand dollars. If it's if it's coming with almost a secondary graphics card, I mean, what kind of processing? Are That's the, the question. Are the we're, Vive not, we're not the sure. Oculus? We're not sure what's happening, but mm. we some people think online that it's going to be basically an upgraded graphics card for the PlayStation. It's going to plug into the PlayStation and allow you because because these headsets, I mean, they you want the games to be running. At like 90 FPS in 1080p on two right. screens. Right. So we know that the uh, current PlayStation 4 cannot handle that. No, absolutely so not. So it needs some type Can of handle upgrade. Firewatch going 60 frames per second. Yeah. It's not going to handle that for sure. So still unclear in the VR space, but in the next, I think, few weeks, we're going to get a lot more information. Well, March 15th, we'll find out everything. I think that your claim that the games are, they need to run at FPS, no, nothing's going to run at 90 FPS. Like maybe that's ideal. I mean, it's going to be the same thing. It's, Games strive to run at 60, but most run between 30 and 45. It's going to be the same thing with a VR. For a VR game running at uh, 45 frames per second, in your eyes, it's going to it's going to be very chunky, I think. Yeah, the issue well, there... How, I don't understand the difference between that and a normal monitor. You're literally much closer but to it. But you being at a distance doesn't change the, uh, mo- the feel of the, the well, motion, the, the frame I, rate. I think that you're... Right, that there are going to be a lot of games that come out. Like, you know, people keep saying 100 games are in development and tons of them are probably going to be garbage and many of them probably won't even see the light of day. So the ones that are garbage will probably advertise 60 to 90 frames per second will only run at 45. Is that that a marketing thing I've missed? They are talking about 90? The the thing is... I've been reading about VR this week and what I've heard these people say is that you want... 90 frames per second in both eyes. For yeah, the reason oh, okay. being I that didn't... it's not a monitor where you are given a controlled view of this video game or space or whatever. It's tracking your head and it needs to feel real. And if your entire enclosed view is seeing 30 to 40 frames per second, it's going to be very disorienting and well, may cause I... nausea and headaches. Yeah, and I could like assume that. that you would get more headaches the lower the frame rate. Yeah. You want the frame rate to be closer to infinite than 60 frames a second. Right. Yeah. Well, the hum- I, I think the eye caps out at something like 200 or something. Right. Low. It's I'm a really low number. I'm a console player, so I've never enjoyed the luxury of PC uh, 200 frame per second games and things like that. So I remember going to your house, Ryan, to check out like... Battlefield or Counter Strike at like 200 frames per second. I thought I was, you know, like it was going to be a come, thought it was going to be a come no, to Jesus the, moment. The new version of Counter Strike on my computer runs at 300 fps. Oh, right, uh, and so I was like, yeah. I have to see what this is. I have yeah. to. My life will be changed after this. And there's no way you can discern 90 frames per second. No, I mean it's like if you wave your hand. The blur that you see, yeah, is eventually, the, the eyes limit. Yeah, eventually so. you're, you're going to cap. It's exactly what you said. You're going to cap out. Yeah. yeah. So actually, with my new monitor with G Sync, I don't know if you guys know about G Sync, but you know about V Sync, right? Yeah, we well, we talked about G Sync. So G Sync is phenomenal. So I I just set up this new monitor, set up G Sync. So at 300 FPS, I was getting serious horizontal tearing in Counter Strike. Bumped it down to G Sync. It only runs at 144 frames per second matches the refresh rate of the monitor and i'm getting buttery smooth 144 frames per second it's phenomenal oh. all right G-Sync. well yeah i don't know what i think about G-Sync, so i don't have anything to add but anyway all right well either way um i'll definitely still be i won't say i'm not excited yet because it's just there's so much about the pricing and things like that again i'm a console gamer so i'm not uh, acclimated to spending you know 600 bucks on my next upgrade you know, I think of it as, you know, every eight years I have to spend that kind of money. 
And that's all changing. Yes, everything's changing now. Yeah, of course. Of course, with some of the stories uh, later tonight, we'll obviously be discussing that. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to talk about the games we played this week. Uh, Ian, Super you, hot. <laughs> Super hot. Ryan played an excellent game Super called Super Hot. Right, right. Hot. But uh, Ian, you actually went the retroactive route, as you almost never do, I think. I think you're very much always just <laughs> going back. <laughs> You went uh, back and played... Uh, I, I played Pokemon Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, Came out on well, Virtual I, Console this week. Yeah. After we recorded last week's podcast, I played a couple more days of Fire Emblem, and then Pokemon came out. Uh-huh. I played about four hours of Pokemon, and then I was thinking, I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll jump back to Fire Emblem. And I played one mission in Fire Emblem, and I was like, this just is not as good as Pokemon <laughs> Blue. This is not as it's not as good. And then I, I went back um, to Pokemon, and I think I'm about like ten hours in. Mm. Yeah. So and it came out about a week ago. Mm. No, less. Like, it came it out. It was this over weekend. the weekend. Yeah, over yeah. the weekend. So it's the end of the week now, and middle of the week. Mm. Whatever. I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and reading a lot about criticisms and and praise for these like older Pokemon games, which people have said for a long time they're obsolete. They're broken. The systems weren't refined. There were a lot of technical limitations when they were making those games. Mm-hmm. Even in interviews with the developer, developers, they'll say, like, gold and silver is what we wanted red and blue to be, or uh, red and green. Yeah. But we just couldn't fit that on the cart. We mm-hmm. couldn't do all that stuff. So a lot of it was stripped out, and that kind of broke the game in a way that they didn't even intend. Right. Which is why gold and silver are so much more balanced. Yeah. Although still not perfect. They didn't, a lot, you know. No, second generation of Pokemon gaming, obviously, you're not yeah, going to nail it yet. But it's way better. I mean, would you say, when, obviously perfect is, you know, whatever, but when you think of your perfect Pokemon experience, what is, what is like the pinnacle of the Pokemon series for you I mean, as of right now? I mean, it's really hard for me to say because I think, they all do different things for me. Mm-hmm. And on that note, when I was watching and reading all of this stuff about these original games, somebody said something and it really struck a chord with me. And they were like, playing Pokemon is like going home. And I really, I really do feel like that. It's just, I don't want to be a person who's stuck in the past or like overly nostalgic, but I just can't see anything eclipsing the feeling I get from going back and playing these original Pokemon games is just phenomenal. And people really shit on these games and they say uh, there's not a lot of replay value. The system's broken. This is the metagame. It never changes. But I'm playing Pokemon now and I've played through the original series, the red, blue, yellow, to completion. This is probably my, my fifth time. Uh-huh. Like completing the game. Uh, and I, I would say probably on two of those runs... I got stuff up to level 100, mm-hmm. which is like some serious fucking grinding in those games. Yeah, yeah. Although I might have been especially. using some rare candy missing no glitch stuff. Regardless, so is that still in there? It's by all the still way. in there. All the glitches are in there. Can't Wait, why do they keep the missing no stuff in? Though, because it's I, part of the game. I just want to say that I'm playing through again and I'm playing with a team that I've never played with before. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with Pokemon that I've never leveled before. Sure. And to be able to do that and to do that in a, a role playing game, like. I've never, ever beat an RPG and played through it again to completion. Yeah. Like, I, I, could, just, I could only pick one or two, like maybe a couple of Final Fantasy games that, well, one Final Fantasy game. But how many times do you play it. again all the way to the end? Only 
Two I can think of that I've actually done six, that. Maybe. Uh, not six. Really? No. I, I plan on going back to six. I think I'm literally thinking about like not playing through yellow. I'm playing yellow right mm. now and I'm enjoying it a lot, but I literally just want to get back to six because mm. uh, I want to go back to those RPGs, want to go back to Chrono Trigger, things like that. Um, but I did play through 10 twice mm. because I had gotten 10 2 years after it had come out and I was very interested played 10 all the way to the end and by the time I got to the end I was just like this wasn't that great a game and I'm not even ready to go to 10 too so uh but yeah normally RPG is obviously way too huge a chunk of time to yeah. invest in o- over and over again and I, and I think the thing about Pokemon it definitely has its shortcomings but I think these original games I think they're severely underrated everybody I would say it's almost unanimous in the reviews that I read. People say they're fun, but it's only really worth playing if you have some sort of nostalgia for the games because they're really not that good anymore. Could not disagree more. I think they're still phenomenal. And I think if you play them within the limitations that that world, like the red, blue, yellow world gives you and you just like take it for for what it is. Uh It's just like fucking phenomenal. And that doesn't mean take it for what it is and say, oh, it's an old game, so it's not going to be good at X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just take it for what it is, say like there's there's only 151, mm-hmm. you know, it's fucking amazing. Like you can play the game so many different ways. And it really – very few games are about the journey as much as Pokemon is in that most role-playing games, like even Fire Emblem, you're just trying to drill through – and get the story and get well, to fire, the end. Fire Emblem's a different kind of game. Yeah. Fire, no, it's all no, stage but, based and things like that. There's not sure, a lot of exploration. Sure, but my my point is about the story. Sure. And it, even Final Fantasy, it's like there's that initial you when you first start out a lot of RPGs, uh, where you like go to the shop for the first time and it's really fun and you see what you can afford and you try to like get the best equipment to go out on your first journey. Mm-hmm. That's fun, the kind of setup. But very few games, the middle game, like the middle portion of the game has so much room for being creative mm. and for like in like being invested in what you're doing right now rather than I want to get to the end of the story. Like I want to find out what happens to these heroes. Like mm. Pokemon's not about that at all. So the, you're saying because of like the uh, element of building up your team and, ch- and learning new things right. and learning new moves and stuff like that, it it continues to be an evolving and engaging experience absolutely that is phenomenal and i think it's really underrated and another thing about this game is it's definitely this and gold and silver are the two hardest pokemon games that were ever made Uh with the exception of post-game content which is brutal in the new games like battle towers and stuff that's just impossibly impossibly hard the base game is the base game is it's not incredibly difficult, but I mean, no. If you sorry, start out with Charmander, to, to the grinding, like it's really you have to work at it. And yeah, like certain. I mean, if you start out with Charmander or even Squirtle, Brock is hard. Like you need to grind a little bit to beat Brock. A Squirtle. If you don't, I mean, uh, Squirt. I mean, it depends if you Squirtle, get Water Gun. If you have, yeah, that's if you only well, have, that you, grind is not as hard as you. It's you not think. as hard. Charmander yeah. is hard. Charmander, you have to level. You have to catch and level yep. another Pokemon, and yep. you get wrecked. Yep. I remember specifically, I had played Blue and I had taken Bulbasaur because I thought Bulbasaur was sweet. And little did I know, years upon years later, people would be like, Bulbasaur was the worst. He was useless. Yeah, what did you pick first? Yeah. Hold, 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 hold on, My hold first pick was Squirtle. Okay, you finish. Yeah, but, I, but I, picked, I had picked Bulbasaur okay. for my first playthrough years upon years ago. And I got had gotten to Brock and I hadn't leveled up Bulbasaur enough to get anything. First 
plant-based move he learns is leech seed, I think. And I was just like, I don't know what to do. I am so screwed. (laughs) This guy has a dragon rock of a Pokemon, and I have this, like, little bear, like, I don't know, lizard Pokemon. He's a whatever. I didn't know what it was. And I I, I just went grinding, and eventually I learned leech seed. I'm like, what is this? And I'm a kid. I don't really know. And I play it, and very, very slowly I'm leeching energy from this geodude and then i try it on the onyx and it just becomes this i don't want to keep saying this phrase but come to jesus moment where i'm like oh my god it's all about this like grind of like just slowly taking power from this onyx and i can beat him and of course you can always later on if you have if you have squirrel you can just kill him and it's no problem but that just broke me into RPGs as like this grind experience that you need to take the slow burn sometimes. So really loved Pokemon for that. Another interesting thing there is that, I mean, something to be said about the genius of having three starter Pokemon. Actually, it's the game's disguised difficulty selection menu is when you've already started the game, you picking the starter. Bulbasaur is, yeah, Bulbasaur is easy. Squirtle is medium and Charmander is hard mode. Charmander is hard mode because the first three gym leaders are going to be really brutal, difficult, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, rock is hard, super hard. Then water, it's just water is hard. Useless. And then yeah. surge is neutral, but surge's team is actually pretty strong when you fight them. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then you get an absurd dragon type. So the end game is much easier, I'm sure. With yeah, but Bulbasaur, but yeah, so Squirtle's kind of neutral. Squirtle's good against Brock, but I mean, in neutral the end- against uh, Misty and weak against search but bulbasaur is good against like the first three when i played pokemon as a kid i never really identified that types different types had different positive and negative attributes i just always had squirtle which was much higher level than every other thing because i would just grind out hundreds of pidgeys like i would just use one attack and be bite that was my attack beat the whole game so yeah, that's the one thing I didn't love about going back to the game is I just felt like, I mean, I am not a Pokemon aficionado, so my first instinct is the same that it was back in 98 when we got these games, and it was to just mash A with my Thundershock or mash A with my Tackle. I'm using, mash I'm a. playing yellow right now, so, okay. so just mash A, just keep do, using the same move over and over. Um, but obviously, I could probably be playing this a better way, and I'm sure I'll hit a wall at some point, probably by Surge or whatever. Um, but what my only specific issue with this, these games right here is, uh, I wouldn't say they're broken in any way, except for the types again, not a Pokemon aficionado, but I forgotten that there was this cop out of the normal type Pokemon flying Pokemon. Isn't a thing. The bug type is just like leaf type or whatever. Yeah. Flying Pokemon are in there, but is it actually an element Mm -hmm. in the game? It is because all I see is just, they're a normal type and, and Sandshrew is a normal, it's a fighting type or or a ground type. Like there's ground and rock, which are essentially the same in that game from what Mm, I've experienced. No, not quite. So ground is resistant to electricity and rock is not though. I think the thing is that, most uh, rock, I think all the rock types, with the exception of Amistar, are also ground. In these games, specifically, yeah. are there elemental differences besides just missing uh, missing Pokemon types, like from the later games? Like, does rock, uh, is rock affected differently by fire or something uh, like that? All the strengths and we can, all the resistances and strengths are exactly the same. They will just add more. Uh, later on all of the types that rock is good against in red blue and yellow this rock is still good against those kinds in the later games. so there is a flying type and it is good against grass bug type. 
and bug. Because I yeah. don't see like gust. I I play use gust against Caterpie, and it doesn't say it's super effective. Uh, gust, I believe, is a normal type move in red, blue, and yellow. They changed move types, right? But Peck is a flying type move. Peck is still great against grass, and, and they'll like say it's super effective against say, a yeah, against yeah. a bug type. Yeah, and okay. and actually, so one of the things I wanted to say is I feel like. Based on your experience, you guys didn't read the manual. No, I feel no. like I was one of the only kids, maybe, that read the whole manual. And if you read the whole manual, there's a type chart in uh-huh. the back of the manual. I mean, I have it in a box if I can pull it out. There's a type chart. There's, <laughs> that's, there's, that's, that's there's Oak's tips for the first two gym leaders. Like, there's like a little walkthrough. I mean, wow. Yeah, no, was, did not even look at the wasn't reading manual. manuals as a kid. But I will say that one of the things I love most about Pokemon as a kid was after playing it, really thinking about owning Pokemon in real life and, like, role-playing Yeah, that was great. Life. Yeah, I did that as well. I mean, well. that's not something that I would do now, really. Do you remember when we were a kid in New York City, what is now the Nintendo World Store was the Pokemon Center, and I never went there, though I always begged my mom to take me. They had large animatronic Pokemon. Do you realize this? Wow. Didn't know that. Would have been magical. Would have blown my mind. Ryan, what'd you play this week? I played a game called Super Hot. I actually played with you a little bit. Uh-huh. So you could talk about it too. I mean, this game is is pretty tremendous. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know, you should just stop right now if you have a PC and go play Super Hot immediately. Super Hot is the best game gen- of all time. <laughs> it's genius. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. So it's a. I mean, I was a little hyper really, Ryan. Yeah. You come in here saying that a game say, is I your favorite am a very of all time hyperbolic every person. Yeah. Uh, on so, the hundredth yeah. episode of this podcast, we're going to get a soundboard and we're just going to play. Every time Ryan says but that in sequence. <laughs> yeah, we'll so get a good <laughs> list of Ryan's 100 best, best games game of all time. time. Best game of all time. <laughs> One of the best games of all time. So this is the thing about Super Hot. It is a first-person shooter uh, where if you do not move forward, if you don't hit the W key, time stops. So really, it's actually a puzzle game. Now, I happen to like playing the game in real time almost exclusively. Which I know I know I do while it's we were sanity. Playing. It's you literally recognize it as a puzzle game and refuse to play by its rules. Like that, well, not its rules, but just it really blows my mind that you put this on yourself to like like you can have a tool at your disposal and you're just like no, can't do it. It's much more fun to play in real time, but Ridiculous. you can at any point totally slow down time. And I've been thinking about time manipulation in video games in general. Have a few things to say about it. First of all, I think. That slowing down time, while some people might say it's like a cheat in the game, it really breaks the game. I feel like that's something you would say. I think being able to slow down time, specifically in a first-person shooter, is actually a really reasonable and incredible mechanic. Because if you think about what it would mean to be in a one-on-five firefight in real life, let's say you're someone who is trained to be able to actually win a one-on-five gun battle, your perception of time would be much different than mine. So as the player being able to put you in that bullet time at any time, really, I think enhances the experience and it's totally reasonable. Yeah, I agree. It makes perfect sense. They've been doing it forever. Like, uh, rocks, rockstar has been doing it for a while with red dead redemption and GTA five and max Payne three that you just have this slow down mechanic. It could seem like a crutch, but at the same time, yeah, like guys who, if you're really role playing into it, guys who are really good at shooting or just really good at anything, Twitch-based and skill-based in general, they're going to see the more individual nuances and like intricacies of that, and therefore slow time kind of makes more sense right. uh, as far as a gameplay mechanic. As a metaphor for skill. That's interesting. 
Right. Metaphor, sure. No, I mean, Ryan's describing it as a metaphor for skill. Is it someone who's highly skilled in, in gun combat uh-huh. is perceiving more about what is happening in a 30-second window than exactly. someone who's not? Right. It's a metaphor for skill. Right. Yeah. That's why I think slow down time is a cool mechanic. But I'm also, being a bit Nazi-ish about the word metaphor, but yes, you, you obviously yeah, nailed it. Also, why I like to play the game in real time, holding down W, because I feel like I do have skill so I can interact with the game in real time. As you could see, the game happens very quickly, and I died a lot when yeah. I was playing. L- in a lot of situations where I think I could have easily won if I had just played it in slow time. We were playing, when I come and checked out the game with you, you were on, I'm pretty sure, the last level. Like, you completed it in front of me, and there were no spoilers or anything. I mean, there is a story in the game, but not really a big part of it, and we're not going to be talking about it anyway. But we were playing the end of it, and I was doing just fine, I felt. And, you know, I was taking my time looking around for enemies, and I was pivoting back and forth slowly to, like, manipulate them coming forward at me. And I... I had gotten a good number of them having never played the game before. Well, I played once a when it was in early access at another friend's house and was incompetent at the time. And yeah, it I was able to get myself through it just but you counter-strike that game out and just are constantly moving and it, some of it's impressive, but at the same time you had to keep retrying that level over and over. But I also kind of feel like that's how I play single player games uh specifically uh first person shooter single player games in general where I will die a lot when I play. I never back off. I'll always advance. I almost always hold down the W key and I'll just push into enemy territory and I'll do this hundreds of times until I have the perfect run of the mission, almost treating it like a real-time action puzzle where I feel like I can... Did you ever see this movie, this new Tom Cruise movie that came out last year? I think it was last year. Or Edge year of before. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Great movie. Yeah, love that movie. You really? ever watch movies? Do you know about Edge of Tomorrow? I, I do watch movies. I watch a lot of movies, <laughs> but that movie in particular looked like a garbage action movie. It did. It looked terrible. It actually I, was a phenomenal movie. It and resonates. It, it, it a, says a lot about video. Games. Yeah, it resonates with video gamers a lot. Well, it is an action movie, so maybe and you don't like shooters a lot. But the idea that he is reliving this day over and over, he ends up memorizing the scenarios and the sequence of events that occur each day and like can just interweave himself into these real fine little moments like things are falling all over he knows the exact spot to stop he knows when an enemy's gonna come out and he just shoots him without even looking he knows the spawn points of the level so like he just exactly like it's when you've played over and over like say a mario level you in mario 3 i understand yeah you know exactly where these things are going to spawn, you know how to time every jump right. after you've I mean, played the level like, over like and over. It sounds like a novel idea, mm-hmm. and a lot of movies have delved into that territory. Groundhog's Day, yes. Primer. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, no, exactly. this is the sci-fi Groundhog's yes, Day. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, okay, so one more thing about Super Hot. Really, a masterclass in uh, cover mechanics in games, specifically like first-person shooters, where you're seeing bullets come at you, you're... you're Seeing everything happen at exactly the pace that you want. Uh-huh. So like in Counter-Strike, I mean, it's taken me thousands of hours to really get to the point where I understand how to use cover. I, I was always the person who refused to use cover. I want to just run out uh-huh. and like get every shot. But this game in like maybe an hour of playing, you could re- like you really start to see the value of cover uh-huh. and also how to use it. I mean, people are coming at you and you could just slow down time completely Remove your hands from the keyboard, see a bullet, 
three inches from your face and realize but how it, you it takes up. Ryan taking his hands off of the keyboard in order for him to stop because if it's on the keyboard you, you're holding W <laughs> you know what I think is interesting about this game I think in the pantheon of all gaming you're kind of taking two things that are really tropey and done to death you're turning them on the, their heads and you're creating something that's extremely unique and I think that idea is really interesting to me that at the the point where first person shooters are super played out and at the point where uh slow time mechanics are super played i mean we've had so many games that's that slow down time or right i mean there was time yeah there was max pain and and there was uh the, there was fear and well this was, this was all kind of after the matrix right post matrix they started throwing slow uh, bullet time in video games left and right yep and it became super played out everybody's complaining that the first person shooter is really played out and that they haven't changed much and they're changing less and less every year that's true and it's at that point where i think a lot of triple a studios don't know what to do with the first person shooter anymore that a really small indie dev like flips it totally on its head and i mean valve kind of did it with portal Right. They took the first yeah, person mechanics and they did something totally different. Yep. Absolutely. Right? And this is this is kind of like that, though, retains the shooting that that portal lost. Exactly. I just think that's interesting. I, I agreed with you initially, but I do just want to say uh, semi off topic that shooters recently have been kind of evolving a lot. Maybe not in the same way that games were evolving 10 years ago, right. but uh, shooters recently with like, you know, the more mobility that's been uh, in implemented into all the gameplay now it's really has evolved a lot and then maybe the past year or so it's it's starting to slow down again and it's kind of finding that groove of okay this is how you move in a shooter i mean i think there was a lot of stuff that happened in 360 ps3 generation but i don't think there have been those kind of innovations in this generation i the the mobility is definitely uh what do you mean by mobility was like being able to experience the environment in 3d like Titanfall was a game that came out where you could basically you have a jetpack. It added, right. it added, and not a lot of people like this word, but it added verticality to these games. Okay. Halo had that to an extent, but uh, it didn't take well, it to the level vehicles. of that. It didn't really have. It had verticality. Well, platforming, platforming was a thing vertical. in Halo. Right. But, you know, uh, it it took it to the next level with Titanfall, and then some of the Call of Duties that came out that were using those same ideas, although they were. Um, they were in development at the same time, so it's not like they stole the ideas. Right, but by and large, the core, the core mechanics that hold all first-person shooters are pre- together are present in both Halo and Counter Strike. It's that same core, and this has none of that, which is really well. Mm-hmm. It has the shooting, yeah, but the way that you interact with everything, the and the speed at which is completely you can slow things else. down. You can very reasonably grab items that well, you air. don't actually slow you, things down no it's, you speed things up. yeah the the, right. the way the game is played i mean i'm hope i assume a lot of people have seen it at this point and you could just check it out but super hot when you are not moving time all but stops right so you walk away the game nothing happens the game stays. well if you walk away no the no, game no no no, no it is still moving up. yeah oh, i really? was confused no like I, if you walk away in the game i mean oh, it could okay. all speed up yeah, yeah but yeah. no 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 if you walk away from the keyboard right, you say right. but no the game is actually still moving very uh, slow when you like stop almost oh, okay, yeah very very slowly but it is still moving i didn't know I, that i didn't know that either so when i was playing i was like why did i die i had i think you can get it to totally stop though I'm wondering if, you if the actually early take access, your hands away. No, 
if you just take your maybe you're I just think it's slightly when you move, pressing I wasn't down. sure but I think when no, you it, move it's, your point of view it's slowly it's always it's always progressing I was okay. I was there I saw it anyway super hot was definitely very cool very matrix you you brought up the matrix a second ago mm. and it is the matrix in every way almost you know um besides playing some pokemon and some super hot with Ryan I uh recently went back to the witness uh, I had fallen off because what's beautiful about the witness is there are very there's almost never a point where you can get frustrated with a puzzle and you know you hit a wall because you could always walk away and start exploring other places until you get to the end game so I won't spoil like where you go and well, like how the, the end game comes an up. End game? Sort of, yeah. Not like an end game, like an MMO has an end game. It's like there's the ending sequence is okay. somewhat long, uh, and it's pretty clear where it occurs and stuff. But anyway, at the end, that is the last thing for you. There are some other secret puzzles and things like that, but obviously, I'm at the end. I want to finish it, and I did hit this huge wall because those puzzles are insanely hard. So I walked away from it for a week or so, uh, finished like my own Ravel review and then uh, a couple of other, you know, it started writing other things and then got started this, obviously it was doing this and then finally went back, finished the game and it is easily deserves the ringing endorsements it's getting all over the place and it's master, it's perfect score. It's obviously perfect score doesn't mean perfect game, but it is in every way the best it could be. I don't see anything wrong with this game. I think anyone who enjoys puzzles could enjoy this game. Uh, it is absolutely one of my favorite games and easily one of my top three or so favorite games of this generation. Wow. Interesting to me that you said that you enjoyed it so much after stepping away mm-hmm. and walking back because yeah. how, now, did you having had taken notes and have these little like drawings and, and notebooks, did that help you come back? Because I heard a lot of people say that they stepped away from this game for a few weeks and they came back and a lot of stuff that was in their short-term memory was gone. And there are a lot of mechanics that early puzzles, you learn in early puzzles that are kind of peppered into later puzzles. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that if you forget what you did in those early puzzles, it's kind of hard to remember after a long break. True. I definitely didn't forget anything really, except for one specific thing, which is actually what just one mechanic of the puzzle, one of the, not earlier puzzles, but one of the puzzles uh, that I just kind of had forgotten worked in a certain way. Mm. Uh, I understood them, but there was something specific that was actually the wall I hit. Right. But if you played in sequence, you think you wouldn't have hit that wall. No, probably. I was pretty much playing it in sequence. Uh, well, no, I you played a couple of two weeks. Tw- well, so. well, I had stopped because I hit that wall. Oh, you hit the wall first. So I got that you. wall was actually me forgetting something, okay. walked away, came back, and then, and just, then uh, okay. finally remembered. Okay. And... It was honestly, I, but I do agree that that is a an element to the game. Mm. It's not a problem with the game. Right. It is, oh if no, you keep I mean, playing, it's, it's. I don't think it's fair to really say stepping away from a game like that is a problem because the, that occurs with anything. If you walk away from a book for six months and come back, you're not going to remember right, a but lot of things. The best thing about this game is you should. I'm I'm starting to now paraphrase Justin Davis from uh, IGN, which is who's a great journalist and great uh, uh, internet internet sensation as far as i'm Internet concerned sensation. he's fantastic okay. anyway he he and uh jared petty had compared and some other people on the internet people are comparing this to they're saying and i love this analogy it's a secret metroidvania okay ryan do you know how metroidvania i know work? all about metroidvania. okay ian you are of course familiar mm-hmm. with how the metroidvania works so instead of increase um instead of exploring and 
obtaining these upgrades to your your you know your super rockets or whatever right. it is you know your your double jump or your triple jump your you know it's the you're unlocking yeah, your the skills you in unlock. your mind that's, yeah, that's yeah. pretty that's pretty cool it is the perfect analogy because it's analogy. literally what's happening you'll run into these walls literal walls in your mind that uh, you see these puzzle mechanics like this star on the puzzle you're like I have no idea how this works and you go exploring other places and you find these uh, these stars and finally you find this perfect introductory sequence of like five puzzles it's such a good game that's just thinking about it and like i remember finally realizing that that's how it was working and there were these these there was this type of puzzle right the star puzzle um that i just wasn't getting and finally found like that one puzzle that shows you like here's how it works and i was like here it is i finally found it and it was just it's a very very incredibly well done game jonathan blow is a masterful man of game design so i'm very very impressed with it can't wait for his next game you know 10 years okay i have a serious (laughs) question so this has been on the back of my mind since the witnesses come out and since people have been talking about this idea of unlocking parts of your mind to get into the next element of the game Mm -hmm. do you think that there are larger implications for um this type of design but in an educational context like in terms of teaching mathematics i've always seen education coming into games and it just being like i don't know like trying to make learning fun it just hardly ever works you know until it becomes so immersive and intuitive that you hardly notice that you are either learning or having fun it's just but you're literally learning concepts that are basically as complex as uh basic algebra at least and have I, to be i don't know i am learning to how like, to do really intricate finger puzzles like finger mazes like i don't think i'll ever use the skills i learned in the witness in real life that's I'm the saying, problem right okay but that's a lot that's the same criticism that people make about high school mathematics in general they sure. never so there use you go. the okay, skills sure. in real life sure, yeah. what i'm saying is that these abstract layers of mathematics you can imagine baked down into a similar system uh-huh. with a lush environment Maybe um, some story baked in on top. Do you, do you no. see that at all? I see VR being a very possible uh, use for education, if that's no. what you're getting to. I or think, Ryan, mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is really interesting. And I would disagree with what Joey's saying to some extent about education in video games. And I think if you think about the basic, and this is a trope in a lot of games, the basic um, seesaw weight mechanic like the weight puzzle where you're mm-hmm. doing physics about, puzzles that's, yeah. i mean yeah the, the, that basic physics puzzle the seesaw one is a basic algebraic equation right it's like a mm-hmm. really really basic one it's like the first one you learn in school right right maybe yes no yeah, you yeah. agree sure right you're moving things from here to balance the equation less right? than greater right, than right, okay right. sure so i think i think it's things like that like it like manifest in a physical way you you were learning things in video games all the time, the, the, all the time. The the thing you learn, the things that you learn, they just happen to not be part of real life a curriculum. Situums. Okay. But yep. if you think Seven. about Minecraft and you think about the things that you're learning when you're playing Minecraft and when you're um, figuring out how to build these little machines that do things, I mean, that could be part of a curriculum. It's just not. Right. But you are teaching yourself. Right, but, but specifically with, Minecraft with this be. new Jonathan Below game, I mean, mm-hmm. you're, these are puzzles. And you right. can really think of mathematics in general as just a series of puzzles. Sure. Yeah, it is. Up to. Well, especially higher level math. 
Yeah, but even just addition, subtraction, and then building into sure. Pythagorean theorem. I mean, we were doing basic, basically puzzles. They tests. would need. They would need. To, I agree that it's possible. I think the issue with uh, educational games have always been that educators have been making them and not real top class game designers. Like right. I think Jonathan Blow. Right. I, I think Jonathan Blow or Notch could make an excellent educational game but they never right. have and neither has a real top class video game designer. I mean a guy right. who's designing puzzle based games just strike, strikes me as a guy who's obsessed with higher level mathematics. Oh, I mean, yeah, Jonathan Blow is a certified genius for sure. A lot of people hate on him because he seems um, either intimidating or to be kind of uh, conceited and uh, like feels like an elitist but I think he's just very smart. And right. that's just the nature of the man, you know. Yeah, he, I mean, the, the the real the real issue is that the part of the nature, I think, of making these math puzzles that are in a game like The Witness or a game like Mist really enjoyable is remove is creating the illusion of there being no math there, mm-hmm. right? It's it's. People love the, math, though. There no, are people who just love doing math. There are. There people are, people but, love math, but if you call it math and give them a piece of paper to like do these 20 math problems, they hate it. It's no, there are a lot of people actual, who do love that, though, like the smart kids. Yeah, 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 yeah okay. Well, there are. I'm like, saying <laughs> the general population. I, I think the majority yeah. of people are either afraid or turned off in some way. And the, but they are enjoying math puzzles all the time. I mean, Zelda has math puzzles. You know what I mean? It's just... It's the illusion of something else. Mm. And my only th- thought here is that once you create the illusion of the math puzzle being something else, it sort of loses some of its educational value. Because mm. math is about learning the core systems, not just finishing the puzzle. And I think in a game like The Witness or even in an RPG where Pokemon has a ton of math in it, figuring out these damage equations – once it gets to that point, it's less it's less about knowing the underlying system. And I think that, it, you know, it's kind of what you need to learn in math. So that's mm-hmm. the one that maybe they'll figure that out. But I, figure wait, that okay, out. Just, just to wrap this up, when you were talking about this idea of unlocking a part of your mind to be able to solve an old puzzle, that reminded me of calculus class in, in, in senior year of high school where oh. there was a, an equation that I saw made no sense. Three months later, I learned... 10 new things I came back boom I can solve that and come out with an answer so that that's why I wrote sure Sure. yeah it's definitely uh, I mean it's has to do with your mind and learning how something works so obviously that's how it works it's educational in the sense that yes it's training you uh and your mind how to do these certain things um but when it comes to I mean if you're asking me can this be used in an actual educational system? It would take a great game designer and really. Right. Well, of course. And it yeah, would take the passionate desire right. of that game designer to do it because normally it's, you know, uh, game designed by committee, these games, like these right. educational games. It's not it inspired. It's just we need, like, you know, Sega. I think that's the real issue, probably. Yeah, exactly. The, the number one issue is that they're uninspired games. Yeah. So. And that, the, but witness, Minecraft, the witness is like the inspired game. The right, guys, we're just gonna post right. and go start our educational games <laughs> company. We'll pick up this podcast. Uh, Minecraft, Minecraft's got it taken over. You've heard about Minecraft education, right. right? Yeah. So that's that's gonna be the next thing anyway. So they've done it. Anyway, we're gonna get into the news now. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Phil Spencer on Xbox One. We're gonna be talking about uh, PS4 Remote Play finally coming to PC and Mac. Uncharted Four delayed once again. 
But first, the music. Xbox Spring Showcase event keynote last week, head of Xbox Phil Spencer alluded to the possibility of hardware innovation for the home console, much like the ever-evolving PC. Quote, you get a continuous innovation on PC that you rarely see on console. Consoles lock the hardware and the software platforms together at the beginning of the generation. I believe we will see more hardware innovation in the console space than we've ever seen. You'll actually see us come out with new hardware capability during a generation, allowing the same games to run backward and forward compatible, because we have a universal Windows application running on top of the universal Windows platform that allows us to focus more and more on hardware innovation without invalidating the games that run on that platform. End quote. It's a terrible quote, but it does say what we need to hear. It's just so run on. It's exhausting. Microsoft has shown an increasing interest in unifying their gaming platforms, most recently announcing a cross-buy feature for the upcoming Windows 10 Xbox One exclusive, Quantum Break. Oh, cross-buy so, is always good, all right, so regardless done with this, of what it's for. I really think that this the idea of a console cycle was really an aberration in uh, consumer electronics in general and like uh, gaming in, I mean, on every other platform. I mean, the, the idea that you have one console that lasts for 10 years and then, I mean, the hardware freezes in time there. Well, let me just stop you there. It's never lasted for 10 years. For, for some amount of time. It's only been, the longest has ever been like eight, or, I mean, until a, a successor On average, they're about five, six in the history of video games. Last generation was like eight. F- for some systems. Right, for what, Xbox what and I'm PS3. Saying is that well, the Xbox piece... 360 was shorter. Wow. Okay. This, okay, so it came out in the weeds. Right, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. So... The PC continuously evolves every single day. I mean, it's possible for a new thing to come out. It ups the ante, and that's the way the phones work, too. And that's the way most platforms work. It's just these video game systems that are so stuck in the past. And you could be buying a game years later that is locked to the hardware that came out so long ago. And it's kind of silly. I mean, why not just continuously update, like he's saying, Continuously update the Xbox One every three years. Have the Xbox One 2017 edition, and the old games will still play on that hardware. They just won't look as pretty. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're already doing this. They're releasing games for the PS3 and PS4. Well, that's different. That's, well, that's a little that's, different. I mean, that's the thing. You have to you have to mandate that these games will be compatible. If you were going to publish games for a platform, they have to maintain compatibility. Um, because the issue with upping specs is always that developers really want to push those specs. And what happens is that over time, maybe say they do update it every year, like an iPhone or whatever, by the time they hit the fourth iteration of the Xbox one, that those people who are the early adopters are going to get edged out. And when you're dealing with, um, parents that buy game, a game console for their kids, they don't. It's just it's just another complication at introducing this. Well, the new Uncharted game is not compatible with the first version of 
the system. It's like the issue with uh, Nintendo released the new 3DS, and there are two exclusive games for that that can't run on the other 3DS. And then also there's the 2DS. And one of the things that a a lot of people talked about was the crazy confusion, especially around that holiday season when Mm -hmm. they announced the 2DS. uh, And people who were working at GameStop and places like that just trying to explain to parents or just people who aren't gamers what system they needed to run what game i mean i think at the bottom level and i don't want to say people are stupid because i think people are are smart i think at the end of the day there's some things people don't want to think about they just want to be able to go into the store and buy the thing and have it work and that's the one issue i agree with what you're saying for the most part um about there are definitely benefits and i do think it's cool i think there's a limit to what they're going to be able to do and i don't think that the new xbox is going to be like a pc mm. you know? i think that though honestly there those are certainly issues and i think that phil spencer if anyone is definitely aware of those issues oh definitely and for sure. that's why i think if he ever i mean these are just them talking at a keynote you know right. keynotes are never it's not an expo it's not a press event i'm just saying and, one of the reasons why the system has been the way right, it has been right and yeah. i understand and i think that what he is saying is that he wants to release hardware innovations uh whether it be uh different editions of the Xbox, like just full uh, packages, which I don't think it's, or if they are expansions, a la like an N64 expansion pack or something right. like that. I don't know what specifically he was saying. a genius move at the he, time. He, I, sure. But I never we'll, knew we'll talk I had about the that. expansion pack in my, in my N64 and I opened this little slot up. There's the little red. Extra little red gaming Xbox. <laughs> yeah. So that, seeing that um, in PC gaming and, and in the past before, uh, it works simply to add to your gaming experience uh if you get games that are uh incompatible with those then it becomes a problem but he very specifically says in the quote that like he wants to find a way to make this possible with gaming compat forward and backward compatibility still being a thing and that's very much a thing in pc you know just at some point you are going to get hit a game that yeah you can't run this game it's just too hard or you're going to have those games that are in between well we recommend this these specs on the PC, but yeah, you can run it at 30 to 28 frames per second. But even that, I mean, really, I think the range of what a, a modern game, like the system that a modern game uh, can run on, it's pretty phenomenal. If you put a game on the lowest settings, I mean, it may look kind of horrible, but the fact that you can adjust it that much, like I don't know if you've ever really put a game. I mean, I know you have Ryan for optimization. Put a game on the yeah, lowest setting. I put games on the lowest setting. Like, they look the, like garbage. They're but actually I'm saying, just terrible. But the fact that it can run, it can it's run. kind of a. You're model. looking at at a five year window on PC a lot yeah. of the time, but like there are some new games where the minimum specs, the required to run specs, are pretty high. I mean, specifically for these VR systems, that's what's really shocking right. people. I mean, the minimum specs are this year's mid-range graphics card you have to have a 2016 pc i do think consoles have kind of hit a sweet spot in terms of i do think the updating every year is a little bit unsustainable and i think people are starting to get fatigued now where people in terms of like updating your phone every year like how long can people afford to update their phone literally every year? When you, know? you say uh, hit a sweet spot, you specifically mean like I mean, just the, of, the format of every six years getting a new it console? It seems like, yeah, it seems like a good 
thing for that sort of a where in terms of other appliances in your house like you get a fridge and you have that for like 15 years True. or something that, I this think, is something it, it's constantly updating it's not too frequent where you're blowing a ton of money i think it's an i think it's a you think it's too on the long end i think it's a convenient spot i don't think it's a sweet spot it is absolutely on the long end just compared to everything else yeah it's convenient because you throw down five to Four, four to six hundred, uh, six hundred. You know, I, I don't ever pay six hundred on a console anymore. Ever since the PS3, but I, you know, four to five hundred on a console, and then you're set for the next at least five years. Sounds pretty sweet, but at the same time, I think right now in this console generation, uh, many would disagree with me, but I feel like we are seeing the fastest. Um, I don't know what to call it, but just the the fast like the PC generation the PC and the, and the jumped con- ahead. Yeah, but the, this is the an fastest increased margin of like tech in any console generation, or right. at least maybe I'm just well, here for it now, and now I notice it more. I don't know. No, no. Here's the thing: what I've been reading about, like this article, actually says that when you bought a console, you were like in the past kind of ahead of where the state of gaming was on the pc mm. but now even when you buy the console that's already year, outdated yeah you're already outdated so well, that's that, a big difference though that has more to do with the choice that the console manufacturers made than anything to do with the materials and technology around to make that console it was a conscious right. choice by all of the companies uh to make something that was less expensive uh for this you know at the state sake of not being the right. top tier. Exactly. So this decision is a ramification of that choice though. The way I right. see it is that the fact that they are falling behind PCs even at the moment of release means that they have to kind of do something. It to has keep but up. it it has a lot to do with the bigger picture of uh general like how much money people have now versus how much money people had in the nineties and in the eighties. It's definitely did we, different. Did we stop recording? No. no, no. Sorry, no. I'm really sorry. No, the lights flickered. Yeah, and then I checked. M- yeah, but it's still running. The numbers are moving. The top. Yeah. So why isn't the the bars moving? Are they those are. the same bars that we've seen all the, like the the sound waves? No, they're moving. No. Wow. It's just not scrolling. It's just not scrolling now. All right, can, we're back. We're back. So <laughs> let's keep that uh, part in. Yeah. <laughs> so no, all I'm saying is I think definitely these uh companies are making a decision saying people have less um just less uh play money than they had 10 years ago uh-huh. and so we're going to make a system that's a little bit less expensive it's definitely a factor 100% when you go back and look at the history of PCs and the history of video game consoles a lot of these consoles were the same price like not, like not inflation adjusted right. uh-huh. so like they were $300 15 years ago and they're still three hundred dollars yeah. today. Three hundred dollars is totally different now, and they're still a the lot? same price. Video uh, games too, like it was such yeah, a big deal. I was just gonna when say when they went to sixty dollars from fifty. People are also forgetting that before that it was a hundred dollars. Right, there were games for the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo and the N sixty four that were eighty to eighty hundred dollars yeah, for like it, an it RPG, varied, it was which common. was so weird. Yeah, yeah, incredible. So, so, so now like it's kind of hit the point of like kind of like music singles, like you know, just for something about something about these two mediums, you know, like music music singles have always been something around a dollar, whether right. whether adjusting inflation or whatever, and then these video games have actually gone down in price yeah. considering inflation. 
and, and considering how much it costs to make price. them too. Yeah, and then just flat. Yeah, that inflation and flat price anyway because right. it was at some point yeah but the market has increased so if the game goes down in price they could right. and that's sell able to do a it. large amount more and also that's there's that and a lot of people say that now well they have effectively up the price of games through things like mm-hmm. uh season passes and, DLC, and things yeah, like yeah. that yeah yeah which makes kind of a lot of sense uh, especially because now games, instead of getting DLC being an expansion on your game, it's essentially buying the rest of the yeah. game the way some of these games are yeah. working. So I think ultimately, uh, I want to wrap it up. Uh, I think ultimately it, we can talk, sit here and debate it, but I think it's going to happen simply because we're already seeing it happen. Very simple things like the PS4 can, uh, the PS4 has a replaceable SSD drive. Mm-hmm. Like you can, or replaceable SSD, you can just swap that out from sure. the very beginning. And uh, and the Xbox, Phil Spencer, ever since he's sat in the chair, has been talking about backwards compatibility. Sure. Very simple thing just to show that he wants to consider gamers of all types. And Storage I think that's is a not performance, though. No, but it, the fact, the fact like that the hardware... video card. The, yeah, the fact that the hardware is built like a PC, they are essentially just boxed-in cards. Right. This, and this that sounds they, like ra- additional RAM, maybe, or additional video no, card. No, absolutely. It'll be more PC-like. Yeah. But the fact is these boxes are now being built to allow being opened up and changed right. in some way. And I know that's looking deep into it, but I think that just is telling beyond, uh, just as much as this quote is. Mm. So I so, think it'll be happening. Okay, so but we have more to talk about the, with this specifically in terms of Windows actually being at parity with the Xbox. Right. I mean, that's a big thing. That's interesting. Because Ryan's, Ryan's very specifically excited also, though, about... Uh, quantum this, Break. About Quantum Break, which was recently announced being... Uh, a cross buy of some sorts between the Windows 10 PC and uh, Xbox One. Yeah, so you get a free Windows copy if you buy the Xbox One version. Right. I don't think it's strictly cross buy if you buy the Windows copy. I don't know if you get a free I don't Xbox think so. copy. I think it's just to, for which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. But that is some that kind seems, of cross buy. That seems kind of broken. That seems like you could just buy the Xbox copy. I think it's locked to your Microsoft account. I try oh, to okay. try to look into it. Because I was gonna say, yeah. Because I was gonna say, then you could just sell it. That's why I said, Joey, just give me the, X- the Windows <laughs> one you buy it on the Xbox. Well, what if I get myself a PC? I don't know. I want to. Maybe I'll buy an Xbox then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But anyway, yes, you're anyway. you're excited about this game specifically. I'm excited. I mean, I just talked about slow down, like time manipulation in games in general, and this looks like a game where heavily you heavily manipulate time. Other than that, it looks kind of just like a standard first-person shooter in terms of the mechanics. It's a third-person shooter. Third-person shooter. Yeah. But also, there's live-action television drama. Mm-hmm. The news that came out today is that on the PC, it's only streamed. You can't download. You can't use that offline at all. Oh, okay. Whereas on the Xbox One, you can download basically these 30-minute shows so you can play the game offline totally. Mm. I mean, PC so users are going to what is the what is to be gained from that? That because makes no like, sense to me. Because they're like they're like would be large gigabyte downloads. Like you can only so? stream them. So it saves storage space. That's honestly, I think that's a positive for PC gamers. They don't want to use up all that space for I mean, I for have, some shows that they may not even watch. I mean, I have an absurd amount of storage, and storage is just exploding. Okay, so it's for you, not it's an not issue. an issue. Some people it might be because they have their Steam games. I don't know. Is that I guess an issue if you have for a ton some people? Of games installed, but. 
That's that just seems like an odd. It sh- it should be it's, an option. It's a to really uh, bizarre story. I mean that the, the they came Microsoft came out with a release today it, that it, basically it, said you can only play this game if you're online. Right. I mean, it would be to me, it would make sense for them to say, and here's a cool thing. You don't. There's a ton of videos. You don't have to install it. You can install a really small now, package and stream it if you want. You know what? Here's why. I'll explain it because they're afraid that these um, downloadable episodes are actually that there would be downloaded on a pc and they're afraid that they'll be pirated that's why so every every time like netflix doesn't allow you to cache content mm-hmm. that's silly because that's you true. can just screen cap you could just screen I, cap. i mean that says i mean it's going to happen 100 people are going to screen cap and pirate it's and an unreasonable be... fear but that i'm pretty sure that's the angle that they're taking like we're only going to stream this to you yeah that's unfortunate yeah i i, I don't see it as that big a deal honestly i, mean, I don't like, care oh, that's a massive deal to me yeah, because I know I'm in a place like this. The Wi-Fi cuts in and out. Yeah, I don't want to be playing a game and then suddenly my Wi-Fi slows down yep. and the video becomes really choppy and it yep. ruins my gaming. See, that's the that thing. Terrible. Yeah, that's the thing. And like so we, many people. Yeah, in especially this country. more right. inland. Yeah, yeah, that becomes a real issue. Yeah. We keep forgetting. I especially keep forgetting. You know, I say like, what's the deal with go? I mean, I happen to like my physical copies of games. Just all, slightly off topic, but like, I I happen to like having physical copies. Just so I'm a collector, but the idea that. Uh, digital only scares people so much. I'm like, I don't see the big deal. That's clearly where the industry is going. And people say, you know, I re- we really can't function uh, in- more inland in this country mm-hmm. because Wi-Fi and uh, and internet speed is just not up to snuff when it comes yeah. to as compared to like the coast and stuff like that. Interestingly enough, the way it's actually going, or the way I see it actually going, is AAA titles going more in the in the download only direction uh-huh. and indie games being the games that stick to having boxes and collector's editions and stuff, small print run games. Interesting. It's just, it's just an interesting. I like when games, these indie games get enough uh, resonance that they come out with a physical copy and it right. becomes a big thing. I mean, like I'm... I bought a copy of Shovel Knight on PS4. Like I had right. played Shovel Knight ages ago on the Wii U and I bought it for PS4 because I wanted a physical copy of it. Right. And I want to buy the Rocket those, League Collector's Edition all with the the giant car. I put all the X Seed games and all the Atlas games that come with these boxed collector's editions. Those are yeah. definitely going to be the final frontier of of boxed games. Of physical mm. things yeah. before we go fully into the beams of light. It's true. <laughs> you think he's funny. It's true. announced that the next PlayStation 4 update, version 3.50, will bring remote play to Windows PC and Mac, along with a number of new PSN features. Though no official rollout date was given, beta testers for the update will enjoy features such as friend online notifications, which notifies players when selected friends appear online, user scheduled events, allowing players to schedule online parties beforehand so that they may be joined automatically. I have no idea why that would be a thing. And an appear offline option. Beta testers will not, however, have access to the new remote play options. I have just an annoying gripe with Sony. I've heard multiple podcasts read out the entire patch notes like you just did with no more details about the headline. That makes me so bad. Like, I basically Sony tricked, like, millions of people into reading these patch notes for their next beta update for their PlayStation 4. Uh Really, the headline and the only thing people care about, the PC remote play. Like, that is the part that we want to talk about. Oh, yeah, that's massive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I it mean, basically the- means that everybody who has a uh, every kid in a college dorm room who only has a laptop 
and doesn't have a TV can potentially bring their PS4 or whatever from home from their parents' house and play it now. This was what you were arguing. We kind of yeah. got a little mixed up when yeah. we, had, we had talked about this and we're recapitulating on it now. Like, I was thinking you were saying, like, oh, I can finally play it on my PC monitor. And we were just like, you can always play on a PC monitor. There are, and I definitely d- uh, believe, besides Mac, there are, every PC monitor has an HDMI input. Yeah, I right. would say that this I mean, is my, not a, my, hold on. Yeah. I would say this is not a good primary way yeah, to exactly. play the PlayStation. No, it's This is not. something you do like a little bit, like let's say your PlayStation is downstairs, you stream the games up to your TV in your room, you want to get a few minutes in of a game. Like you want, you you would not want to own a PlayStation and not have it hooked up to an HDMI TV. Right. Like and only the, use this feature. Right, because what this does is it streams it through your home network. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it depends on how good your home network is. It's but not, but even this if is it's an very option. Good, I think if you have, an, this, I think if you yeah. have an, an AC... A wireless AC home network, which is, I believe, what I have. <laughs> There's going to be some latency. It's definitely def- something you would want to do for certain. Um, I mean, it would like be- a certain feature set. What you would want is, let's say you have the game uh, downstairs right. and you're chilling in your bedroom, you and you're on your PC, like you're locked into your PC with multiple monitors. You throw up a PlayStation game on one monitor. That would be an awesome feature. But what you're describing is like is the the option to use this as your primary way to infer, interface with the PlayStation. And I would say that's not the intended purpose of the product. Yeah, I, no, think I don't that, think it's the intended purpose. I think it's definitely possible, and I think people will see that as a cool thing. Like kids, like, you know, that small number of people, like kids in their dorm rooms who only have their laptop, and that's their way right. to consume media. They see that as an awesome thing. They're going to read about latency issues. I mean, and think, I think like, it works for certain deal. games. It's not going to work for an FPS so well, but if yep. you're playing an RPG, turn-based RPG, it's probably going to be totally sure. fine. It's definitely... Probably it's fun. definitely opening up things and i think that's the main point is that playstation is really always has constantly been trying to open up this ability to get the playstation 4 on any kind of screen at right. any time and through, it, via this streaming and service. it's a thing people have been trying to do for a really long time mm-hmm. when the dreamcast came out there was an adapter that uh there was a vga adapter and one of the things that they said is we want you to be able to play the dreamcast wherever you are specifically they're like if you've only got a computer screen, we want you to be able to hook up to that. I've heard, though, I haven't used the feature, but on the Xbox One, you can stream to your PC. Yep. And what people are saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's capped at 30 FPS. Though. Yeah, the the frames, frame rate is obviously yeah, cut down because FPS, it's streaming. Yeah. It's interesting to streaming me that is it's not, there yet. not just PC, but it's PC and Mac. Mm. I think that this is interesting just because it's just, I mean, it's not hardly interesting. You know, it's just another PlayStation update. You're going to get no, a million more about this. this to me is huge. This. this is a huge story to Okay. Me. So there are, there's a small demographic out there of people who are really excited yeah. about this probably. I think though, we're just going to keep hearing about these small updates until finally a company, maybe it's PlayStation, are, is going to take a big step into streaming. Like PlayStation bought a huge company, Daikai, thank you, for streaming these games on hopefully, potentially any platform, you like can, smart TVs. On their PlayStation platform, you could stream games now, right? Right, but now they're, yeah, yeah, on PlayStation now you can stream uh, games that are running games. on an external server? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so streaming cloud-based games essentially. They bought two there were two companies that were doing this. It was OnLive and Gaikai. No, I know. OnLive yeah. has folded, Sony bought Gaikai and they've like integrated it into their service. But right. how can you run that without a PS4? You right now need, you can right now you cannot. You can need you to have either, TV? you need to have a P- PlayStation 4, a PS TV, 
or the PlayStation Vita. Like, so, I was playing Shadow of the Colossus. You could play other... You, like, I could, was trying to play Bioshock Infinite, which is... Uh, well, it's a PS3 game. But they had PS4 games available on PS Now. Uh, very few. Mostly were backwards compatible games. Backwards, quote-unquote. And you right, could let, rent let these games. Let me answer Ian's so question, though. He's saying you rent how, it, you don't have to install You just start playing right away. Right. He's you, saying, you rent how could you no, run this on a smart installing. TV? It's not installing. It's, it's sending you... A video, video feed, yeah, feed right. of the game being right. Played that's not remotely. what I meant. I meant yeah. it's rendering the video of, no, of the that, feed of what you're playing. Installing the game bit by bit is actually another interesting feature I, that World of you know Warcraft what? did, where you would download World of Warcraft and it was like 20 gigs or something like that. Yeah, you could actually start playing after downloading for about 20 minutes. Actually, what the new Apple TV does is it'll send you almost all the game is stored in the cloud. The actual installation files for the game, oh. it'll send you the first level. And as you play through the game, the levels are downloaded. The game is actually yeah, installed in real time as you play the game. That's interesting. I thought that's what was happening with PlayStation Now, but maybe that not. is not. PlayStation Now yeah. is is a Gaikai streaming service. That Simply streaming, rendered the, remotely. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty interesting. upcoming PlayStation 4 exclusive Uncharted 4 A Thief's End has been delayed to May 10th. Sony Computer Entertainment America President and CEO Sean Layden announced the delay via the PlayStation blog, stating, quote, In an effort to meet the considerable worldwide demand and to assure that all gamers have the opportunity to play the game on day one, we have chosen to postpone the launch of the game by two weeks to allow for extra manufacturing time, end quote. Naughty Dog's fourth installment in the Uncharted series has seen multiple delays in the past year, originally set to release in late 2015. The game was delayed last March to spring 2016. Then in December, it was delayed from March 18th to April 26th and has now been delayed two more weeks. A Thief's End was first announced in November of 2013, the same year which saw the release of Naughty Dog's latest game, The Last of Us. So Joey loves these games. You can hear the annoyance in his voice. No, not like, at all. Not, delayed, at all. not at all. Not at all. Yeah. No, but like hilarious that it's been so micromanaged in their like in the release date. Well, not micromanaged, but just like inching just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Twenty like, more minutes. Give, give us them, twenty more minutes. Give, give them another. Just a more. Give yeah. them another six months. At I mean, 12, since. When this is Sony flagship property. Though. It's two weeks. It's I mean two weeks. Hardly is like, a blink. Har- like the most minimal, the the smallest delay yet, and it's yeah. clearly just like the tiniest two, bit of two tightening. Two weeks up. is literally it's just shipping. That's how long it takes to ship the games to the stores. I yeah. mean, it's not hardly a big deal. Yeah. I just found it hilarious that this game was uh, delayed a se- yeah. over I and mean, over. The I, reason that's a news story is it's just kind of their obligation to tell people, oh, you actually can't pick it up that day. It's going to be a couple days later. Well, the Ian, reason- have you ever played an Uncharted game? No, they look terrible. They are not. They are ex- excellent games. Uh, Last of Us also was the follow-up after uh, Uncharted 3, which was kind of the summation of the 
Uncharted series, but now they're continuing it, obviously. Uh, then they went to The Last of Us, which was a masterclass Uncharted game. Uncharted is just like an action shooter, third yeah, person. Yeah, action third person shooter. It was, Ugh. for its time, it was, it was excellent. Nauseous. Oh, come on. It's an excellent game, very campy, very fun game. I mean, it's just like playing an action movie. Basically. Yeah, I don't yeah at its time, it was very much, especially Uncharted 1 was uh, marketed as just that. Uh, Uncharted 1 was very good. Uncharted 2 is one of the best games made of all time. It is an action third-person shooter, very linear and puzzle-solving and campy, but it is the best of its type. You know, that's that's my point. And it really has some excellent, uh, amazing large-scale set pieces. It's very funny. It's a lot of fun. It has a great pacing, uh, really stupid boss battle at the end, and that's really its only flaw, I swear. I've never played an Uncharted game, but I am um, have been dabbling a little more in this Tomb Raider game, mm-hmm. and I feel like it takes a lot of cues from Uncharted, and I would be excited to just kind of, went, I'm sure you're going to get this new Uncharted game for the PS4, mm-hmm. jump in for a few hours with you and see some of the Absolutely. set pieces yeah. and like enjoy the game a little bit. Something you should definitely play is The Last of Us, which I'll just continually say on this podcast until right. you play it. But uh, just funny thing about uh, Tomb Raider is that Tomb Raider, obviously a franchise that came out and existed long before Uncharted, then Uncharted, then that kind of went away. Uncharted took a lot from Tomb Raider, and now Tomb Raider is so everyone keeps saying Tomb Raider is now taking from Uncharted, which is kind of a funny scenario. I think um, this game is going to be fantastic. I've seen a lot of footage of it. It's it's been all over the place. It's easily the best looking. If the, if it's going to look the way they've been projecting, uh, it's going to be the best looking game on the PlayStation and on any home console right now. That's very exciting. It's also a really cool action game. You know, and really, it's from the best developer that I know, and they know how to handle fix like working on their games. You just finish the game, fix it before it's out. Like we were just talking last week or about like Nintendo. Uh, Naughty Dog is good. Or like that. Nintendo, absolutely. They delayed the hell out of The Last of Us. It was an incredible game. They're delaying the hell out of this game, and the same thing is going to happen. I, I swear. I don't. I know this is like thing I, I don't think naughty dog has put out a game that i've enjoyed i don't like any well that of makes sense games. then that yeah. makes perfect sense i mean do you, what games i mean you didn't like i didn't like the jack games love the jack i mean the jack games aren't considered their bread and butter or anything but they're i, I mean they the were jack when games. they when the jack games came out it was like a huge deal yeah when absolutely they first came out absolutely but it was a big deal because it's like oh these are the guys who made crash bandicoot and now this is the next big yeah, thing i never really liked crash bandicoot they didn't. Yeah. Do they do Ratchet and Clank? No, that was. was um, I know this uh, sucker punch or no, no, not sucker punch. It's I always got the in that era, like at the time, I got Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank. I was just like, this is the same fucking thing. It's a puzzle platformer yeah, no, with no. like the, the, a, it's a gear, you know, puzzle platformer, yeah. like cool. collecting. Yeah, yeah, bolts. collectathon sort of thing. Not yeah. It's and it's Rash essentially the same thing. Yeah, Jack and Daxter was never the pinnacle kind of, of campy humor three. based. Sure, um, I loved Daxter. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, right. Jack Two was interesting because they everyone was jumping onto the GTA train, right. Of the open world, and he got a little older. Yeah, he got and a little Jack older. Jack Three was like really mature, mature, more mature. Jack Three was probably the best one. It kind of took the best from the first two games, like Jack. Jack and Daxter, the original, was a 3D platformer at the end of the 3D platformer era, uh, or even at the tail end when it was already dead. Jack 2 
was jumping onto the GTA train, right. kind of trying to be this open world, a little grittier, and like it was a rated teen game because you had guns and you could kill people and things like that. And that was cool to me at the time because I was a teenager, well, you know, young right. teenager or whatever. So it was cool. Uh, not their best game. Jack 3 was an incredible amalgamation of the both with like this Mad Max type of desert world and like car combat, cool stuff. And Uncharted is above and beyond any of that. Oh, they are no, masterclass totally, yeah. games. I know. So, yeah, yeah. No, I know Uncharted is really acclaimed. It's just mm. I'm not itching to play another game where like I'm a dude with a gun. Here's the thing. I think there will come a time for you, Ian, when it's like, you know what? I haven't played one of those games in forever. I got to play one of these games. Probably. And if it comes, you should play The Last of Us. Don't touch the Well, The Last games. of Us is more has more survival horror, which survival is something horror. I'm more interested in. Then you should definitely I'm very play interested. And it, one of the best stories in any Resident game. Evil is one of my favorite game series of all time. The but first three. Ian, do you like action movies like the Transformers where they're like basically idiotic, but like you just see no. how much money they spend? I always, I, I sometimes watch those movies and I always end and feel depressed. Like I lost something. Like I, I, I brought something to this movie and now <laughs> and I have the- less. Like, well, okay, but that, that's a fair criticism of the Transformers. But there are other action movies that are fine. It's just the set pieces are so spectacular that that is what you take away from the experience, not no. the like, emotional I, impact Uncharted, of the story. I would, I would not, uh, well, Uncharted has I would some not put, plot, uh, right? yeah, I would not put Uncharted in the same boat as Transformers. Transformers is pure idi- idiocy. And like asinine explosions everywhere and just ridiculous. But I've always whereas heard Uncharted, Uncharted is was like Michael Bay's video game. No, absolutely not. It is very bombastic and but it's not like to it's not, like it's not a parody extent. of itself. Or, right. It is definitely it's Indiana Jones the video game. Right. It is okay. But while being campy and silly, it's got this class to it and this you know very Indiana Jones thing. So a little know. Star it's, Warsy, maybe even sure original yeah. trilogy Star Warsy. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't. I don't know what you're talking about. There's this new trilogy coming out now, uh, but there was always just one. I don't know what you were talking about. I no, I, when I watch action, four Star Wars movies, when I watch action out. movies, I'm always really into the plot. Like The Matrix and Kill Bill are my favorite. But those action are movies. great movies. Those are incredible movies. But they're the also, Matrix original. It's one of the best movies. But they're also time. very, very plot oriented, and you could exactly watch those movies. You could remove a lot of the action, and they would still be great drama films. Kill Bill was a little absurd. Well, Kill Bill, lie. if you watch both parts. Right. Part two has more than part one. Polygon had recently released this chronology of Pokemon games to have been released. Yeah, I don't just need to look- read that article. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I learned a lot about the release of Pokemon games. Lie. I learned that the last game I played uh, was... Pokemon Gold, mm. and I realized I thought that came out much later. Really came out. I, I played a very game. early. On. Came out the very last early, game I completed was Gold and Crystal. I had actually went back to that. Do you like Crystal? I've been then. meaning to pick up Crystal. I I've like never Crystal. Played through Crystal. I, I loved the element of like this dog would break the moment of like because Pokemon was a certain way for me for two games, which was a lot at the time, and Crystal. All of a sudden, this dog, you know the the whatever the dog's name was, like Sweet the legendary Sweet what Sweet Coon. Suicune? Sure. So Suicune would just like the 
the screen would stop. You wouldn't be able to walk, and I'd be like, what's happening? And Suicune would dash across, and you'd have to try and find him. Yeah. And you could go through the whole game never, like, getting him, because yeah. once you saw him, he was somewhere in the that area. Was, that was super cool about the, the original um, Gold and Silver as well. The three legendary dogs, you could find them anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, and I'm not 100% on this, uh, it, very early on, they would start randomly appearing and you could have like level 15s in your party, maybe like level 20 and you'd just be walking through random grass, boom, random dog encounter and they're there, they're level 40. Yeah, yeah, And absolutely. they would just wreck you well, that is or what run happened. away. That is what happened. Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that was super cool. Specifically, remember the more tiger-esque looking one. I think it was a thunder type. Yes. And that, that was Raikou. the one that hit me level 40 something and was was yeah. very intimidating. Sweet. It was the best, my favorite Pokemon experience was Crystal for sure. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to play Crystal. Um, Crystal, you can play as a girl. They added some post-game features. Also in Japan, Crystal had um, wireless trading over the internet with your phone. You would hook up a link cable to your cell phone Mm -hmm. and your fucking Game Boy Color. Yep. Never did that. Yeah. Well, it was not stripped out of the U.S. version. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I think it's worth worth, worthwhile to talk about Sun and Moon. Uh, no, Sun and Moon is a, so much about Pokemon. We, that I just, ca- that I just, game is not a. Well, I, I just wanted out. to get through the chronology. Like Sun, Sun and Moon is coming out because oh, I heard oh. some crazy rumors about Sun and Moon. What? What? Give us two awesome rumors. One is that they're not backwards compatible with X and Y and Alpha Ruby and Omega Sapphire. No, which is huge. That they're only going to be backwards compatible with Red, Blue, and Yellow. Wait, that no, no, no. Red, blue, and yellow are going to be, be able to now that they are on Virtual Console, they'll be able to access the Pokemon Bank. That's a new Pokemon Bank. A new Pokemon. They bank. can't access the current Pokemon Bank. Also, that's a rumor. That the that. red, blue, and yellow Pokemon cannot go into X and Y and Alpha Ruby and Omega Sapphire. They can only go into Sun and Moon, which leads Has people to believe Pokemon that they're going to make a clean break. Has this Pokemon Bank not? Like launched it or anything? Pokemon Bank's out. No, I use it. I pay the fee for it. Oh my god! It's a, yeah, you pay subscription. A, Jesus. No, what, it's what's, amazing. How much does it cost? It's like ten dollars a year. Why? What do you do with it? You just it transfer your Pokemon? your Pokemon and forever, so nothing can happen to them. They're safe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on from Pokemon. We'll we'll cover Pokemon again in a future show. Well, there's a yeah, hopefully they'll talk a little bit about it. Tomorrow. Well, I probably won't because they have the Pokemon Direct. But. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Screen Watchers Gamescast or Screen Watchers Gamescast. Uh, join us every week over the weekend or on Fridays uh, to get your latest gaming news discussion and otherwise worthless banter. You can find us on Facebook or find us on. Oh, I've been told that like you shouldn't say find us. When referring to a podcast, find us yeah. wherever better podcasts are downloaded. Yeah, go to so iTunes. Go to iTunes. Your local mom and pop podcast store. Go Listen, to I, go uh, to what iTunes. you're going to want to do is go to iTunes and leave us five stars. You're going to get all five, regardless of how you think about the podcast. Yes. Like, you're also going to you thought it was shit. Five stars. You're going to need the star. You're going to want to make five Gmail accounts and five iTunes accounts and download. Jeez. Copy on each of those accounts and then write the false reviews as if you were multiple people. Leave a review. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you say in the reviews. No one reads those reviews. Doesn't matter. The point is, you need to say something that right, doesn't get I flagged. Read the it's Stop like saying that. I the read the reviews. It's like system. Do not get flagged. eBay, eBay feedback. Don't just do random yes. copy pasta. But also, say something reasonable, but also definitely leave a review. That's important. They track those. You just say what I say every time I buy something on eBay. Somebody says, leave feedback. I just say, great, 
three exclamation points, was on time, three exclamation points. Well, we're going to be on time, so that'll work. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> Download our podcast at, on iTunes or Pocket Cast. Visit our website at screenwatchers.net. If you have any questions for us and have any questions that you want read on the webs, read on the podcast, go to, no, go to email us at email us at screenwatchers. Tuvalu sank, and can you still get your web hosting there? Email us at screenwatchersgamescast. Shut know. up. Email us at green, screenwatchersgamescast at gmail. No, Shut the fuck. If I just get this in, I can edit everything around it. <laughs> Screenwatchersgamecast at gmail.com. You almost said screenwankers. I almost did. Oh, the screenwankers, the piss drinkers. Jesus Christ. (laughs)